Yo, neighbors, welcome back for episode 21 of the Strange Neighborhood Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylin Gettler. A while back, I recorded with Ellie Hamilton. We recorded in the same day an episode for my show and an episode for hers. And today we're just going to give you guys the second part of the episode where I was on her show. And so she's asking me a bunch of the questions. And it's a cool change. And the conversation was just as great as episode 17 with her. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to Ellie. And I just am like basking in the afterglow of being at her festival last weekend where the Wild Women Grow Festival. And I'm just still like absorbing shit. Like it was just like beautiful weekend just full of love and laughs and fuck it was it was really cool and like uh I've just been thinking about like how people choose to show up in the world since then or like women or really anyone and about how we like we make a choice how we're showing up and lots of times it's subconscious and sometimes we show up and we're not representing our true worth in the world. And I just know that no one will ever see our worth if we don't see it first. If we are waiting for others to validate or show us our worth, we are perpetually at the mercy of people's opinions. And keep in mind that these are people we literally would not trust to make any other life decision for us. But we're looking for their validation for our worth. It's like silly. It's crazy. I mean, it's subconscious a lot of times, but it's crazy when you think about it and put it in that perspective. I think like we need to, we can't wait for others to show us our worth. So we need to show up in the world with that worth already and like demand our place in the world and stand in our power. When we wait for it from others, we live in a constant state of wondering if we are good enough. Fucking painful place to be. It makes it impossible for others to see our true beauty and worth because we aren't representing it because we probably don't believe in it, but we're not showing it. We're not being it. We're sending insecure mixed signals of desperation. You know what desperation's like. People have a sixth sense for desperation. You can like smell it on people and it's not like a nice rosy scent. It's like a stink and you can smell it like a mile away. It's the smell of like riding in the sidecar of your own life and begging others to take the wheel. It's obvious. It's like on the skin. So when we're looking for our worth everywhere, it's a desperation. It's palpable. It takes away from our true essence. Um, It doesn't take away from it, but it takes away how deeply people can perceive our true essence. Because there's something in the way, the sting of desperation. But if someone feels worthless, they get trapped in the thought sometimes that if they can add value to themselves by what they put on 
or add to themselves like beauty aesthetics, makeup, clothing, or what they surround themselves with clothes, cars, houses, their career, their family, whatever they choose to like be a talisman of their worth or success. But the truth, truth, the truth is though that you can't get value from other people or material things. You can get it from inside you only. It's really the only place your worth can come from is how you perceive yourself and the worth you feel within yourself. And it's not like some people just have it and some people don't. The people that have it have built it. There's all, we've all had a point in our lives where we felt worthless. So don't think it's easy for anyone. It takes work to build the worth within yourself and have like a true perception for the beauty that you are. And it's the same for your moral compass. We spend our lives setting our moral compass by gauging how the herd stands and weighing where we stand, like within their standards. We can look at something we want to do that may have potentially damaging consequences. And maybe we see that it's a thing our peers or society sees as acceptable. That allows us the comfort to drop the bar for ourselves a little, doesn't it? So you can see how like degrading cultural morality can have a very damaging effect over time by just like constantly lowering the bar. What if we just decided, no, it's not going to be like that. No, no, I will not look to others to see how I measure up. I will decide my worth on my own terms. And no, no fucking thank you to putting energy into wondering how I measure up. And fuck no to entering energetic exchanges that drag me into a cycle of guilt or shame. Fuck to the no. I was not put here to please these motherfuckers. And neither were you neighbors. When you don't say no, your body will say it for you. And I don't mean body language. I mean... A state of dis-ease in the body. Time to give the big fuck yes to you. To your infinite endeavor for self-love. To adventure. To creative living and loving. To sisterhood. To brotherhood. To humanity. And loving every faucet of it. Say yes to love every time you can. Never stop saying yes to love, to being love and to bringing love along with you everywhere you show up.
you see it? I'm recording. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's going. Okay. Okay. That's funny. It said uh it said checking it said health checks, doing health checks. Oh that caused me it's creepy. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, the medical mop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Where the Wild Women Grow. I'm your host, Ellie Hamilton. And today I have Kaylin Kay- Gettler on the show. We are going to talk about all kinds of fun things, but um, I will let you know that she and I just did a recording on her podcast, The Strange Neighborhood. So if you want to hear more of our conversation and extended conversation, then head over to her podcast and and get that recording there. Kaylin, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's lovely to be on your show. And I just love hearing that rooster in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, living the rustic life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So Kaylin and I, um, our little backstory is she, well, I guess technically if we go back far enough, we went to high school together, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Long time ago. yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's embarrassing to not embarrassing. It's crazy <laughs> to think how far. A world um, away. Yeah. And Kaylin has a really cool, a couple really cool Instagram accounts. And I started following her there. And then I learned she had a podcast. Like I was following your other accounts for a while and I didn't even know you had a podcast. And then I was talking to our mutual friend, Ashley French, and she was like, oh, yeah, you should totally go listen to this, this interview on Kaylin's podcast. And I'm like, what? She's a podcast. So, yeah. Anyway, so fast forward some time and. Kaylin is also going to be our official photographer for the festival, Where the Wild Women Grow Festival, June 25th, 26th in Hudson's Hope, British Columbia. And so we're super pumped about having her come and capture all of the beautiful women and the connections and the emotions and all the little details of the festival. So that will be fantastic. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, The reason that most people don't know I have a podcast is because I kind of keep it um, a bit like away from my regular life. I just think if like people find me organically, um, that's fine and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I (laughs) I just like to... I don't know, let them find me organically because I talk about like really weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, uh, I I don't know, like I talk a lot about like simulation theory and like just stuff that's like a bit beyond some people. So I just, uh, I like to just let them find me if if the universe wants them to kind of. (laughs) I don't like go out of my way to promote it. I I love that though, because it's, it's, It's really just, you know, we were talking a little bit in our previous conversation. I'm probably going to say that term, that phrase a lot. I feel like, um, that, you know, just trusting and letting things unfold the way they're meant to, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which can be really hard, especially, you know, with the podcast, like so many of us want to just like, well, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm that person, like. I want to get it out there. I want people to hear these conversations. And, you know, a lot of what I'm doing, I feel like is 
guiding women to, you know, back to this wisdom that is inside of us all and deeply enriches and enhances your life and your decision making. So um, I do feel this urgency. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love like I've only just started listening to some of your some of your podcasts. I've only listened to a couple, but um, I really would like to dive into more because a lot of what you talk about is very foreign to me, but mm-hmm. I am steeped in the curiosity of it all. Like I'm like, ooh, <laughs> mm-hmm. like it really, it really was. Um, I don't know, kind of this everything that's happened to us in the last couple years. That's, you know, the I, I hate the word conspiracy theory. I don't like that word, but because mm-hmm. um, it feels kind of more like truth seeing. Yeah. <laughs> at, at this point, but yeah, you just you you're you're raising a lot of really good questions and bringing up a lot of really good points. I just, I really appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I do think like the label conspiracy theory is like put just instantly puts like a silly connotation on any kind of serious thought you're trying to bring to people's attention. And there's like a, there's like a, I don't know, a Dharma attached to it or something or like a, but anyway, so I I also do not like to call myself a conspiracy theorist. No. It just feels funny. Yeah, yeah it's just, well, super negative connotation, very much so. Mm. And I think, you know, when we're truth seeking, I I think, you know, th- you have to look at everything. You have to like everybody should be looking at everything, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Because it's going to give you a broader spectrum of what you will find as your truth or what you feel like you will believe. But you can't Mm -hmm. just take one narrative and just be like, yep, I know it all. Because that's just no way to live life. It's funny that like people get really like form really like solid attachments to their ideas once they find them and I think like that holding a death grip onto your theories is like doing yourself a disservice because the world's like full of mysteries like infinite Mm -hmm. mysteries and like you're just closing yourself off to all the other possibilities every time you just decide something's 100% true and nothing else is yeah I think I understand that people really feel safety in structure Mm -hmm. And, the comfort thing again, hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but learning to that, you know, learning to be comfortable in the discomfort and realize that discomfort doesn't kill you. And even if it did, death is whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Death isn't the thing we should be fearing. It's not living your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, when we open ourselves up to these asking questions, being curious, looking at all of the information. Um, what that also opens us up to is, is, is love and compassion. Like I was really surprised by that when I started, like, I think when, when, when you really start to question things, it either pops up as like anger and frustration or like love and compassion. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you start seeing things that confront you or that, you know, you're like, man, people are so different than me. Oh, that can make you really angry. Or you can meet it with love, too. 
It's true. And like, I think there's like a period of growing pains when you find something else, uh, something out and like, it's okay to be angry about it, but, um, to work through that. And then, um, just like, I always like to say like, how much love can I bring to this situation? So if you, if you can eventually get to the point where you approach it like that, um, obviously it's going to be better for you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, um, I'd love to hear, like, you're, you're a very authentic person. Like, this is something I really admire about you is, um, whatever is your thought or your opinion or your feelings, like you, you share it very, um, unapologetically. Mm -hmm. And I have deeply struggled with that most of my life. So when I see other women living from that place, I'm just like, oh man, you have my like deepest respect. (laughs) Do you, have you always been like that? Or was that a bit of a, I mean, like people would probably say that, but, um, actually no, I wasn't living very, (laughs) I mean, like I come from a place where I had like one narcissistic caregiver. So I, um, like learn to mm, like have control of situations by predicting others emotions and stuff, which makes you like a people pleaser kind of thing. So yeah. like, uh, so like you kind of have this um, distorted view of how people see you. So you like, I built this like image of what I thought people seen me as. And then I built an image in my head of like what I wanted them to see me as. And then I tried to correct it all the time. And like, so I spent a lot of time like with the resistance in me and like coming from lack and trying to correct myself into what I wanted to be perceived as, which I don't even think that's logical at all. You, first of all, you don't know how people see you. Second of all, that's none of your business. (laughs) And third of all, it's not your job to like create a persona that people like. Um, So like, I guess finding a way to like um come home to myself and then um like personify hmm. like what I truly was was like you know it took a lot of work and probably people would think they'd always like yeah I was like always like um an extrovert and like would be like you know loud and whatever right but I I was still like trying to portray a certain um image or a certain like have people see me or like manipulate people's perspective on me Mm. in that way so it was like playing a game of authenticity when it wasn't true authenticity but I've learned to step into my true self and like I think what really did that for me was like um developing self-love like I I just always say everything starts from that because like when you can see yourself as valuable you won't want to change yourself to fit other people's idea of you yeah like it's not about that because you already find value in yourself you're not gonna look for it somewhere else so then you can really just like embody the self once you see the value of self does that make sense yep yeah it totally does yeah. yeah. So it was definitely hard work. 
to get <laughs> to the point where I could like really stand true in myself and just do things that feel authentic. Yeah. How, how long ago was it that you kind of started that journey? So, I mean, we're always like cracking open and rebuilding, but like <laughs> the true journey for me, um, childbirth was definitely just the catalyst of that. Mm. <clears throat> First of all, becoming pregnant. And then I had to reassess my relationship with my body and food, which mm. um, I always thought it was like, I don't know. I always had this vision of like, um, if you slack off on like tearing yourself down, you'll like fall apart or something it's like I was trying to like punish my body into submission all the time and like be harder on myself so I could do better you know what I mean and uh so after I had my daughter I obviously like during pregnancy I had to reconcile my relationship with food and I I worked really hard to like detach the dharma I had built around food which was like very valuable what, what were you like so just kind of to get a little clarity on that was it like you mm-hmm. you weren't maybe eating enough or like how um it was it was more like the energy I brought to food or like the so like when I ate something bad I would feel bad when I ate something oh. I just like and it would it would always fluctuate. Like I would binge, I would diet, whatever. Like no matter how much I was eating of what or what I was doing, there was always this um, energetic attachment to things because I categorized things as like good or bad. And then I would be like, yeah. "You ate that, you're bad." Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I always had this internal struggle going on, judging everything I put in my mouth or lack thereof or whatever, right? Yeah. So I really just told myself when I was pregnant, like, no more of that shit. I can't go through a pregnancy feeling bad about what I eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. So I like, set a couple like rules. So I was eating healthy. And then I just like, just told myself, that's all the rules. There's no other rules. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel good. You just fucking eat if you need to eat. <laughs> like, and that, and that like was very valuable to me. But then after I had her, I wanted to like, you know, get back in shape. And I went and I started working out like vigorously and I hurt myself a bunch because my body was just not ready for it. And like, I kind of had a breakdown Mm. where I was like, well, if I can't do that, like, what am I supposed to do? And, um, I sort of like unraveled a bit at that time. And then Mm -hmm. I, cause I, I don't know, like, and I just realized like what I was doing to my body, what I had been doing, the way I was treating it and the way that I like, um, punished it was not working and it had never been working and it was just like something that brought me to that realization so I just decided I'm gonna try something gentle and I started doing a little bit of yoga and then I went to this yoga class and we were like making an intent setting an intention for the year and we had to write down one word and I just decided in that moment that I was gonna choose I wrote down kindness and I just decided that mm. to direct that on myself for one year. Like no, I want to be kind for the world. Yeah. But more than anything, I wanted to just like focus one year, stop punishing myself, stop terrorizing myself internally and just see what it did. So I dedicated one year to being kind to myself and I call it the kindest year, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it like changed my entire life. And it like that mixed with like yoga like the 
mindfulness and everything, it just really brought me home to myself. And that was like, you know, once you come home to yourself, then you have to start addressing the like dark things you've buried inside you and they slowly bubble up and then, you know, Mm. yeah, that's That's how it started for me. (laughs) That's amazing. How, how are you finished your year of kindness? Yeah, so that was when, so um, that was just like the first year of my daughter's life, and she's about to turn five. So, oh, oh, I mean, I never stopped the kindness (laughs) because you get on a roll, but (laughs) but yeah, the the year is over. Yeah, and it's so funny because like I started a YouTube channel during that time, and I just like made videos talking about like my emotional growth and what I was going through, and each revelation I had and like none of them videos they were public for a little bit but they're all private but when I go back and look at them I'm like wow I thought I was going so deep and it was just like very surface (laughs) (laughs) you just don't know how deep it gets till you get into it right I was just like holy I thought I was doing some real hard work (laughs) I I think Uh, it's it's it must be bottomless yeah because it is you know because I I thought that too I, I look back at my life like even um, even when I first started, you know, planning my free births and I was starting to get like what I thought was so deep mm-hmm. and now I'm like, oh my gosh, that yeah. was the, just the fucking skim in the surface. Instead of saying it's bottomless, I like to say, um, there's no ceiling. Like, oh, that's good. Like we're, cause we're like improving every time. So I'm like, there's no maximum to improving. We could just get like better infinitely better and there's no ceiling that's stopping us from getting even better every time I like that I'm gonna switch that around (laughs) (laughs) it feels a bit better than being like this fucking bottomless pit full of wet hot garbage that I'm sifting through yeah it is but same wording wording is everything though Yeah. yeah yeah that's amazing and and you're you know, were you ever like at any point in your, in your journey as a young woman or a young mom, like super caught up in, in body image? I mean, like I always have struggled with my um, body image. I think Mm -hmm. like most, like my mom is struggles very deeply with like herself and who she is and what she looks like. And I think Mm -hmm. it was a learned trait, Mm -hmm. like reflecting back. Like we, we emulate things that we see in life and especially at that young impressionable age. And when you see someone who has like disdain for themselves and the way they look and whenever someone gives them a compliment, they say something horrible back about themselves. Like it teaches a young woman, um, that reflecting on her body in that way is okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so subtle. Like the, the yeah. subtle messaging that goes so fucking deep. Like my, like we're like, um, I don't know how you say this, but like, I have like a big butt, a, gr- a great ass. I'd like to, <laughs> like my mom had the same ass. And like when I was young, she hated it. And so like people would, she would say things like, oh, I hope you don't grow up and have an ass like me. And, blah, blah, blah. Oh. and so like, it was like something I always kind of like hated about myself. But when I learned to love myself, I, I was just like, wow, that's like my best part of my body. What the hell's wrong yeah. with me? <laughs> Or like it. And there's a way that, like, when you do the healing, you find, like, all the things that you perceived as your, like, shortcomings or 
um, things that were like less worthy about you are actually like your actual fucking superpowers. They're like the things that set you apart that make you special. And like, um, I mean, it's like not so much just my ass. Like it's not a superpower. (laughs) Do you know what I mean though? Like things that I didn't like about my personality and stuff were actually like my greatest gifts. I would find when, once I do healing work. Absolutely. Yes. I totally have learned, lived that experience as well. Mm. It's like all these things that, that we shut down, but, but I think that's what it is, is because they're different. We shut them Mm -hmm. down because it doesn't fit in this mold that we have been, you know, um, programmed to think that we should all be, look, sound, act like, um, yeah, it's really, it's really quite the man. I the stories that women have around body image, you know, issues and then healing, like so fucking powerful. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's really like we're and we're like holding on to um, ancestral things in our body too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. like, it's not just my mom. It's like. Every woman in my lineage has added to some sort of my, like, um, I don't know what you call it, my spiritual karmic load. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, we have to, and, like, you you could say, like, spiritually we carry it down, but, like, we carry it down also like pretty palpably like you can see the way we pass it on to each other right well I th- it's I think it's like it's it's traits or like mm-hmm. you know personality things that get passed down but also like if you look at the conversation conversation of epigenetics mm-hmm. like trauma and different things like that change your genes mm-hmm. your gene expression so so like yeah you know like you're mom talked this way she probably got that way of talking from her grandmother but also like or from your grandmother mm-hmm. um but also there's these like these like genetic codes that are implanted in your body from you know your grandmother through your mother to you like it's mm-hmm. it's yeah what we carry down matrilineally is that a word it is now <laughs> <laughs> if you say it and people know what you mean it's a word <laughs> yeah it's real but it but it mm-hmm. but it doesn't it also doesn't determine us our destiny in you know in, infinitely either no that's not right word. we Definitely. have the op- we have the option to work through it um we yeah. could like just we could choose to work through it or not like we yeah the, we have the ultimate free will of like our spiritual growth we can be stagnant but like why would you come here for 80 years and just sit like a lump like, <laughs> why not make something of your time here right yeah do something significant yeah. i i love your um your bourgeois photography that I'm- you've been getting into I'm super passionate about it, actually. It's like something I want to do for a long time before I even learn how to work a camera. Hmm. It's, um, I actually like, I paint too. And I've always painted like, I, my subject matter has always been women. Oh, it's cool. so funny. Like now that I look back and like see all my paintings 
well like I have done a, a few other ones like pop culture paintings and stuff I like almost always women and it's so like um close to boudoir in a way and it's just like the the universe is kind of mysterious and like I've always been drawn to like that subject matter in my paintings and like then to just create it with this new medium it's like it's just like the next step on that I didn't realize I was like doing a step <laughs> you know it's well it's, like... it's not even it's hardly a step it's just like this smooth glide over to yeah it's so crazy yeah that's cool. Then, I've never I've never seen your paintings, but I'd really like to now. <laughs> and then I um get then I like yeah, I get to do it with real women and like um I get to like so when I like book a boudoir with someone I <clears throat> kind of like intuitively like go in and like have a creative process where I'm like thinking of ideas and trying to like build kind of a story a little bit for them and mm. have it like match a part of that like um I don't know like some part of them's like speaking to me and then I like have a way that a creative process where I like kind of find that and kind of trying to accentuate it for the person and I think I'm kind of good at that like <laughs> I, I I think I'm like I kind of hit them have ability to like hit the mark with that and yeah. find someone's like uh, essence of their true beauty and bring it out I mean I'm not trying to be like egotistical but like I'm really grateful for this gift and like it's something I'm just realizing about myself that I have this way to do that that's very cool I love that do you do you find okay I have two two things I want to say mm -hmm. maybe I'll backtrack um sure. with in terms of gifts it's it's funny how um it's so hard for, I don't know if it's just a woman specific thing or if it's everybody, but it's so hard for us to celebrate our gifts, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or I even mean, just own them and express them. Like expressing them in the moment. It must be like a sister wound, hey? I like, think so. Having the, being don't, vulnerable don't. and like saying, this is a thing I'm really proud of that I do and like not wanting someone to tear it down maybe. Yeah. Well, it's, I think what it is, is we're scared to outshine each other. That is we, true we, too. We don't want to shine too big in in fear that somebody's going to feel dimmer. That's we don't exactly want, we don't, it. Yeah, yeah, we don't want them to feel less about themselves because we feel big about ourselves, which is Speaking, that's just the fucking people pleasing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It always yeah. comes back around to that, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think um, it's really important that we um, understand especially as women and, and, you know, in, in the conversation of like sacred sisterhood that we do shine big and we let ourselves shine big and we don't fucking ever suppress that because mm. it actually, what it does, it may make another woman feel a little bit small, but it also is on a bit grander scale is going to inspire her. Oh yeah. yeah. I always say this yeah. saying, um, everything you do, you give permission for the world to do. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So, totally. like, if if you can um, celebrate your wins, then it gives permission for other women to celebrate theirs. Yeah. Oh, even even if, she, even if she reacts in a hurt way, even if she does walk away being like, ugh, bitch, she, there is still going to be that piece of her that's like, that's so awesome. Or, like, I could maybe do that. Or The seed, the seed has been planted in her mm -hmm. to heal. Yeah. True, um, true. 
Yeah. And um, I wanted to also say about about the bourgeois. Do do you um, do you find that women come to you because they're like, oh, I want to do sexy photos for my partner, but then it turns into something actually not at all about their partner. Um, I think, yeah, I think maybe people approach it with that idea, but I think before we even get to the shoot, it transforms. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because we, I start talking about them and like, you know, trying to, trying to find them in it. And then we start trying to build something for them. Like it's never, it's been like a few times where people are like, Oh, I want to do the shoot for my husband, blah, blah, blah. But it, it evolves into something else every time. What makes you feel sexy so we can right? capture that energy. Yeah. Or like, yeah. And I, I think like I have like used a bit of my intuition in this sense because like I, I get creative ideas that just like fit really well and I don't really know where they come from that fit that person really well and like suits that moment really well for them. And um, I think it is part intuition. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a channeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like you, you're kind of like online, like you like with them kind of. Yeah. I, I feel that way with, with podcast interviews often. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm like, I go back and, and listen or edit and I'm like, I don't even remember saying this shit. Like so much. I sound, I sound, I sound really smart. <laughs> Who thought of this? Who where did I get that? these good ideas? <laughs> yeah, no, that happens to me a lot too, where I'm like, I go back and listen and like, I don't remember saying like a lot of the things I say and I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that must be what it is. You're just, you're totally just tapped in to the gift Mm -hmm. and just riding the creative waves and just so fucking present. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. yeah. And then because I'm like very passionate about it and like super into it, it like really sparks something in me that, um, I don't know, takes it to the next level, I think. Yeah. Well, when, yeah, when we, when we're feeding our souls, you know, with, with Mm -hmm. passion and, and fun, and creativity women especially need creativity i think Mm -hmm. um yeah it just life just fucking rockets off yeah it really does yeah that's amazing um what um i'm just going back to my Mm -hmm. list quickly because i'm like oh we had a little list going yesterday um Oh, is yeah, there anything was... else you want to add about about the photography and like the the direction you want to take it in the future? Like, do you have any any cool um, places you want to take things? Well, I just um, I mean, I I really like doing it, and I think it's gonna like um set its own course kind of like divinely I mean that's how Mm. it seems to be like unfolding for me Mm. but um I actually want to to, hopefully this summer I'm going to work on I don't know if it will get done but I want to do a photography tarot deck yeah and I was gonna do like boudoir photography tarot but like not super boudoir like not not super sexy but just like raw and like feminine 
and like sexy in that way or or maybe you know like I mean? sensual like yeah sensual better word. and yeah. not like uh playboy like yeah. lacy i mean there might be lace but like it's gonna <laughs> tell the story of the card and that's like and also be beautiful at the same time is what that what is a very thinking. cool idea yeah so if you want a model let me know <laughs> I i'm do, gonna need I lots do. of wild women <laughs> maybe maybe at the festival we can get some something some like shots. that going yeah that would be the place or like get some people involved in the project a bit or like models and stuff and see yeah. who's interested in doing something like that get like a, a list of names going at least i was gonna get like other photographers involved because it's like 72 cards or something but uh i kind of want it to be my pet project <laughs> Right. So it might yeah. take me longer, but I kind of wanted to make it all mine, like, creatively. So I guess oh that God. I'll have to, it'll take a lot of work. But that's, yeah. yeah, I've been thinking about it for a really long time. I wanted to paint one for a long time. And then um, this is, like, very time consuming to paint 72 paintings. And I just oh. never, I've just been, like, formulated in it, formulating it, ideas about it in my brain for a long time, years. And um I just once I learned photography I was like holy shit I can do it with photography and then it'll be like a lot more doable I think oh what a cool idea girl yep yep anyway I can help out I actually I I actually really like like not modeling isn't like that sounds Mm -hmm. not the right word I love word yeah I I love um having photos taken of me I Mm -hmm. I love it (laughs) cool Right on. But, That's good to know. <laughs> fun, fun fact. Fun fact. Yeah. I'm a bit of a narcissist. Um, yeah. So why don't we um, talk a little bit about feminism? Oh, yeah. That's a great topic, actually. Yeah. Uh, I- <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I just think like. For me. Hmm, for me. I think like feminism as like a singular label is really like broad and um, the word has certain heaviness to it sometimes Mm -hmm. that I don't really resonate with, but I'm super passionate about women and like us standing in our power and our feminine like glory and everything that um, feminism is on paper. I'm with that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. empowering women, standing up for women, having community, um, growing together. Um, You know what I mean? Like just general um, feminine energy rising. But I do think like there is a weird way where people take that idea and like um, take a negative direction with it and um, where we can like end up with ourselves just in this victim box forever. Do you know what? Does that make sense? Yeah. Where we're like, we just paint ourselves into this box of like, I'm trapped here because of the patriarchy. And then that's where we stay and we're just mad about it. Mm. Where like, I see like women and men have, we're, none of us are really in our true power. 
No. As a collective, we need to all rise up and we yeah. need to all rise up together. And like, I, I don't really like resonate with the idea that like the word patriarchy, like I, un like I understand the term and I understand that it's like real, but I feel like that also, um, just like brings in the idea of like, I'm the victim and that's my oppressor. Yeah. Or really, I think like the whole, there's like a, a hierarchical system of like a two tiered system and there's people on top and there's people on bottom and that, and we're all being held down by that hierarchical system. And it's like, we're all being kept from our true potential. We're all being kept from finding our place on this world. And, um, I don't, I don't think it's like men <laughs> holding yeah. just women back. Like, I think there's a system in place to divide us, to pin us against each other, to hold us down and to keep us low. Yeah. All of us. But that being said, I do think like divine feminine um, needs our attention. And like, I think as women, we need to be more like feminist. Like, <laughs> like we need to um, heal our sister wounds and our mother wounds and um, understand each other and have compassion and love and community with women. Yeah. And, you, you know, like raise each other up and, I just like the victim mentality of it doesn't ring true to me with like um, radical mm -hmm. self-responsibility. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like put it really in a way that is digestible for everyone who sees it no matter what way. But yeah, yeah. that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with all of that. I think, um, I, I definitely get caught up in that, you know, patriarchy victim cycle too, for sure. I've caught myself there. Mm -hmm. um, I recently also kind of <clears throat> became aware of that <clears throat> cycle and I'm trying to like, yes, see bigger picture still, like trying to zoom out a little more, right? Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, it's not men holding women down. I mean, um, you know. Like women have been ripped repressed 100 yeah. percent. but like yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah but i think the the system is a yeah like maybe because back in the beginning you know thou, like a few hundred or thousand years a couple thousand years ago maybe it was men who were leading the charge maybe mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um but that's not yeah that that right it's not like men versus women now mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. all of us. It's it's all of us needing to change the system around together. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we all need to do our part. Like it's that, um, you know, the harmony, right? Like we need mm -hmm. to um, understand where our strengths are and work that. Yeah, so, learn to like, complement like each other's strengths. Like the feminine, yeah. uh, like hold space for the masculine and vice versa. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. So I think everybody needs space held for them right now. Like men need to heal their, their, you know, um, their wounding, their wounding and women need to do their work and we can hold space for each other. But I think when, when the sacred masculine is in its, you know, whole form and the sacred feminine is in her whole form, um, 
the masculine is the one that's actually supposed to hold space for the feminine. So mm-hmm. masculine is like the consistency, the stability, the structure, and the, the feminine sort of yeah, the protection and the safety, mm. the con- the container, mm. and the sacred feminine is the flowing water movement. I always like to think of it like um like a river. Um, mm. that's what comes to my mind, and like the banks of the river is the masculine, and it's oh, that's nice. Yeah, and it's holding in the water. I mean, it changes gradually as it needs to, but um, it's containing the water, and the water is is moving through and changing moment to moment, second to second. So that's how I feel about you know men and women in unity together. And yeah, I think- sort of when you were first saying it, I was thinking of it like the man is like the home, and then the woman is yeah. like the womb of the home kind of, or like the The thing that bursts the creative energy and bursts things into the world. And the man is like what houses the woman. So she has the space to do that. Yeah. With, with postpartum, postpartum doula work, you know, kind of the, the structure that we encourage with families is like the father has to mother the mother so she can mother the baby. Mm -hmm. The father has to care for the mother and care for all of her needs, bring her food and feed her <laughs> mm-hmm. while she mothers that baby and bonds with that baby. Like I'm talking about like immediate postpartum, like for the yeah. first, you know, few months. When you can take care of yourself, really. You yeah. need that support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, ideally, like, you know, back when humans were functioning a little more adequately in, in smaller villages, like it wouldn't just be the partner. Actually, it probably wouldn't be the partner. It would have been women in the village. Yeah. The or her family. Yeah. But I think, um, oh, I kind of got off on my tangent there. I was going, I wanted to go in a different direction with that. And it was really good. Um, go ahead. Something, it was something about, I'm just trying to remember what it was. The history of feminism. Oh, right. So I think like, um, a couple decades ago, I, l- I would love to read some books and like dive deeper or like even like interview a historian who's like really knowledgeable in this. But mm-hmm. um, I think back in the like 60s, when the, mm-hmm. the big a lot of the feminist movements were happening, it wasn't like the feminist movement wasn't like, hey, let's be better women. It was like, hey, how can we be better men? Mm hmm. It was like still operating, you know, it was like we weren't, we weren't like rising we want up. what they have. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not them. But we're not them. And those, you know, like not saying women can't make amazing CEOs and be amazing mothers at the same time. Like, I'm sure that happens. But, um, but generally speaking, um, women as a, as a, as a collective, as a unit, our strengths are not to go do a nine to five job like 365 days a year. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) You know, we're, we're supposed to have more flexibility in life because Mm -hmm. our bodies need more flexibility for their, for its needs. Like in, even just in regards to like our menstrual cycles, you know, we're not at peak performance all month long. Like every own- week, I'm a completely different fucking person. <laughs> exactly. yeah, absolutely. Sorry, but that's my cycle. <laughs> so yeah, so like for 
you know, and then like, you know, you can even go bigger picture, like in a woman's life, like the different seasons of a woman's life, you know, like you can't be, you can't be at, you know, look, if you use the analogy of the flower, you know, a flower doesn't stay in bloom its whole life. Yeah. You know, productivity Um, comes in waves. That's funny that to think of it that way that we, because I do think like a lot of like cultural movements are um, kind of like directed by higher powers a lot of the time mm-hmm. or like steered or mm-hmm. like um, infiltrated in a way. So like the feminist movement um, be is was kind of like the start, it seems like, of like the erasure of women. Like you do, to me, it seems like modern, like, you're not even allowed to say mother anymore. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> um, women are, there's like, I'm, I'm not sure if like it's an accurate way to describe it, the erasure of women, because we're not erasing women, but we're um, changing the definition and concept of women um, without women's consent, I feel like. Yeah. And I wonder if like the, that start of like, we can be just as good as men kind of thing was like just, like a jumping off point for this type of mentality, modern like eraser of women. Yeah. Yeah. That I've never thought of it like that before, but that could, that makes a lot of sense. Because yeah, I don't know. It's really been bothering me all this. um, All the, I don't know how to politely say this, but uh, just the way that we're scrubbing women out of like, yeah I don't know all the conversations and all the conversations and like we like like people like in the supreme court saying they can't define what a woman woman is and stuff and like yeah it's just um it's getting to like a really intense point yeah it is isn't it like like you know you get in I, I mean we're we're in such a small corner of the world where we are mm. up here in you know northeast british columbia i don't know if we i don't feel it so directly in my life yet but yeah. i can see it in these bigger convers like conversations in in more like in this bigger city centers and other places in the world um i'm hearing these conversations are popping up where like women are getting in trouble from their peers for saying breastfeeding mm. Because mm-hmm. it's not breastfeeding, and it's chest feeding, and like my my friend's online training for doula, and yeah, she's been told that it's chest feeding and birthing person, oof. and she's like, I just have to get through school, and then obviously I'll use my own language. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's like a that... not rock the boat kind of person, but she's like, I do not know what's fucking going on here. Like, yeah, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, and I I. Like, I understand, uh, I have some pretty big issues with activism, too, actually, I'm starting to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't think I had a, opinions about any of this until recently. All of a sudden, I'm starting to be like, actually, wait a minute. Hmm. This maybe doesn't feel so right for me or feel doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny how, like, this, like, this active, active, activism movement for inclusivity is erasing women out of the picture. Yeah. Like, and it's like the race for equality is making us very unequal. 
It's like the yeah. things that the the narratives that are directing us in is doing the opposite that our intention we put into it is. Yeah, it's very strange. It is very strange and and hard to navigate because I mean, I truly do like at my core, I mean at all of our cores, <laughs> love and compassion for everybody and everybody's mm-hmm. entitled to be happy and everyone's entitled to live a life yeah. that feels good for them. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's this like projection that we all need to have the same. Like I can, I can still say breastfeeding and claim breastfeeding for myself. And, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean anything about, Somebody's Anyone else's eating. journey. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even talking. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about my own experience and, and how beautiful my experience is. And, and I guess there's a part of me, um, uh, might be an unpopular opinion, although I don't think anyone who's listening to this podcast would have this unpopular <laughs> opinion, but that, you know, I, nature based living, you know, just, um, it's there seems to be very little room in the conversation in modern society air quotes there mm-hmm. for nature based living like the conversations i'm having with my peers and you know women who are supporting other women it's all about being more connected to nature and our our human nature mm-hmm. and these bigger conversations about inclusivity are the opposite of that yeah which i'm which is where i'm really struggling because i'm like you know um these things like i'm i'm gonna say this really boldly (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not natural (laughs) yeah and and not it's funny that you have to add like a bit of disclaimer to saying something that's unnatural is unnatural like the truth is like comes with fangs these days yeah yeah, and it's like I'm sorry, not sorry that like, you know. Um, I don't know. I think I I do want all people to be happy, but um, do d- does that mean I have to compromise mine? Right. Or what feels right for me? I don't know. Or I'd like, like to to tell someone to. Uh perpetuate a lie for your own comfort and like require other people um see things in the way you do when everything in their being is telling them not to I think that's sort of like putting a weird expectation on others yeah it is like how can you control how people see the world or you there's no way to possibly ever do that yeah like I think I don't know it in in my heart of hearts I, I i want to believe and i and i think i believe that there's enough room in this world for everybody to live a life how they want to live as long as that is coming from a, a place of love and authenticity as well and if like everyone, allowing other people to the space to do that for themselves right? yeah like it it will work it will work for us like to live in a world where there's enough room for everybody to live the life they want to live there that is a possibility as long as everybody's doing it from a place of love and authenticity the second you get trauma or like we said earlier in our last conversation trauma ego fear anxiety driving the bus Mm -hmm. 
then you're not going to find room for everybody. So because mm-hmm. this conversation of inclusivity is pushing out um is pushing out women mm-hmm. and women living naturally and in their natural state because that is getting pushed out that mm-hmm. says to me that this movement is not coming from a place of authenticity and love that's right it's coming from a place of lack and desperation it's coming from it's coming fear. from those other places the, the yeah. fear yeah the fear the anxiety and and the ego driving yeah. the bus so like I don't know. I also don't feel like it's my place to say that to people. Yeah. <laughs> just just like I can't say that to a woman who's choosing to birth in the hospital. Like, oh, you're only choosing to birth there because you're scared. Like, that's not fair or for me to say. But that's because, like, you believe in letting people live their own lives. <laughs> where people that are pushing this narrative yeah. where to say chest feeding and stuff don't believe in that. Yeah. Like, they don't. They want a single worldview they don't want the differing perspective of like challenging their reality yeah they're trying to it's like they're trying to just blend everything into one <laughs> distorted reality that one distorted reality yeah and it's this it's it's not like a it's it feels gross <laughs> mm-hmm. um and b it's not and gonna forced. work yeah yeah it's not it's not gonna work you need biodiversity on the, mm. If there's anything that this, our human existence has absolutely indisputably confirmed for us, it's that we need biodiversity to survive. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sorry. We do. Right? Yeah. Like, we, we're, we're, we're fucking with things that have been working for millennium. Yeah. And it kind of plays into the idea of like how um, people are raising their kids and like shielding them from any kind of struggle. Um, And then they go out into the world and they want the world to adapt to their view so that they don't have to ever be uncomfortable. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And people are always whining about like, oh, the entitled millennials. But that's what it is. It's Mm -hmm. because for the last couple generations, our grandparents and our parents have been gearing us to avoid discomfort mm-hmm. so what do you ex- fucking ex- don't don't blame it on the millennials right. <laughs> you Someone raised those millennials. Like- <laughs> this is what you wanted for us mom and dad and grandma and grandpa <laughs> right right and now you're mad when you made it yeah um i guess i like have a first-hand experience viewing this well like I, I come from a family of three and my younger brother for some reason j- just him but he was like super coddled and like never had to take responsibility for things so he always got in trouble and then my parents would like like say the teacher called home and said Bob's whatever in class then my dad would just go to the school and tell the teacher what a loser he was instead of punishing my brother do you know what I mean oh yeah yeah so like it was like a whole series of that all the time and just making sure because my dad was the youngest and he was treated like really horribly so like to make to for him to like Mm -hmm. overcompensate and my mom also did that too with him because he was the youngest but um to overcompensate Mm -hmm. and just shield him from every struggle he could have ever um overcome it made him like a degenerate adult. Oh. Sorry, Bob, if you're listening. 
I love you, but sorry. <laughs> like there's just so much growing he didn't get to do because of it. Yeah. And like it really wasn't fair to him. And we could sit around and say, like, oh, he turned out blah, blah, blah. But like they robbed him of the experience of growing from his struggles. Right. Yeah. So like, what did he have to learn from? Hmm. So what what do you think what do you think the sweet spot would be? Like what do you think, you know, thinking about the future for women and and feminism and even a little broader spectrum like just for humanity in general. What do you think um our our sweet spot could look like? I think it always has to start at the very core with loving ourselves. We need to learn that like through and through and really learn the skill of loving ourselves and listening to our bodies because once we change within, we're going to change what's around us. And if we love ourselves and we can stand authentically as ourselves, we don't have to get like the validation from the world or we don't have to control the world around us for our comfort because we are comfortable just being us and what the others reflect back to us, we know has more to do with them. So when we can love ourselves first and build a really good, strong relationship with the self, then um, everything else I think will just snap into place. Yeah. Or it just, or life just happens around you. And yeah. You and like just, each say like each it. person is doing that. Like I could just from experience from me doing that, it has like expanded out within my life and the people that are in my close relationships have also evolved too. I think like just, it's like contagious, right? So yeah. if each person just like finds a way to love themselves, I just think like that will do it. And um, you know what? Like I remember, like it's been a long journey for me. And I remember um, when the movie The Secret came out. Oh, and, yeah. do you remember? And then there yeah. was this one girl on it, and she or this lady, and she. I remember she said, "Oh, I just I." used to hate myself and now I just love myself so much I could just kiss myself I'm so in love with myself and I literally every time I watched that I would think that she was fucking lying <laughs> I was like, like okay like no one feels that good about themselves that's ridiculous and then like I think about that all the time because I really resonate with her saying that now like I literally am so in love with myself when I make eye contact with myself in the mirror, I smile back because I'm like so happy to just be so comfortable in myself. And like, I really appreciate myself on a level I never did. Yeah. So like, it does seem impossible. Like I thought it was a fucking joke. That lady saying that I was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> like, no, I am like her now. Like it happened. It and happened. like, just for people to show you that that's possible. Like the, the fact that I didn't even think that was possible, that level of self-love, tells you something about the programming I endured, right? Yeah. And we all endure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. Yeah. I, I love your, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I always ask myself the question, or sometimes I even ask my people I'm interviewing, like, you know, let's, let's hear about your, your way of being wild or what makes you wild or... Cause I, I feel like for a long time I had this very like, um, specific, uh, idea of what a wild woman would look like. 
like or a act, template or act like, yeah yeah like a <laughs> yeah. bit of a cook, a bit of a cookie cutter mm-hmm. and then i as i started interviewing women and talking to women under this you know through this lens of of wild women i realized like oh my god as many women as there are on the planet that is how many ways that we can be wild like it's infinite and and i just i really love and appreciate your brand of wild because it's like you know this it's like this sacred you have this really nice balance of like sacred feminine warrior with with this gentle kind of mother love with this like truth seeker you know like bullshit slicer part of you and I I think I think you're a really unique brand of wild woman and I really appreciate you (laughs) thank you um I mean like it's always a balancing act because I've been places where I've been like I mean I've always been like overly aggressive and like boisterous with my self I guess or with others and and uh I had to definitely find the balance of like I want to be a kind person I'm kind inside I need to like represent that a bit better I think like uh before you do shadow work you just have like your negative negativity can seep out and then once you get through it then those ways that you kind of like were off-putting to people you could um transmute it into like a way that I don't know do you understand what I'm trying to say? It just, like, it just, like, yeah, I do. I do. I like the that. things that were abrasive about me before, I've learned to tailor them in a way that serves me really well now and serves other people in my life. Yeah. 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 Like you can still, you can still have strong opinions and, mm. or make bold statements, but now it's coming from a place of love, not from hurt. And so like it's, more contemplation than reaction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I've, the, that's definitely been my journey as well. So I deeply resonate with that. <laughs> the reaction, the airy body is like being a, like, a. in my family, it was the reactionary place was like an okay place to be. You could flip out on people, yeah. but you better not cry in front of anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not really going to hug that much. So <laughs> get over it or like <laughs> You know, so like it was very acceptable to be like outraged about things or about people um, or to like have your anger and express your anger, even physically. But like it was not okay to be like, I'm really upset about this. Someone would just call you dramatic and tell you to like shut shut her down. (laughs) Like, (laughs) So then being an adult and only having a way to express myself in like an angry or frustrated or outraged way and like that was like the only way I really could uh what do you call it like um could get the emotion out or move the shift the emotion was because I didn't understand how to service the other emotional parts of me yeah do you know what I mean oh yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah, I'd say that was that I think that was a lot of I don't know. I talked to a lot of fa- um, family dynamics that seem to be like that, you know, where, mm-hmm. uh, and that, I'd say that's fairly true for mine as well. Um, a lot of anger and aggression. That was like the one emotion that was widely accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but softness, not so much soft tenderness, no. vulnerability, 
um, open communication. I mean, there, there was some, there was that sometimes, but Mm. it wasn't easy. It didn't, it wasn't always readily available to us. It was something that we'd have to like, you know, it usually come after a big blowout and Mm -hmm, like everyone's taking some time to cool off and like, okay, now let's try and be a little bit vulnerable, but, but definitely very uncomfortable to be tender and vulnerable with each other. So um that's been and I know like I know my parents definitely came from very well my my mom in particular very militant style family um like no emotions and um so I know like she did she really worked hard at doing better than that for us and Mm -hmm. and she did but you know I think each each generation can choose what ways they want to evolve and heal. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's been, that's been my choice too, is to take that next step further and be even more vulnerable and even more tender. Yeah. That's yeah. That's exactly what I, it was like for me. It was like a, a softening. Yeah. A softening yeah. into myself. Yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think um, the world really needs that right now. It's very prickly out there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um the people it's it's interesting because it some it's hard to know how to view the world. I, I feel like it's it's hard to know you know what's really going on like what what direction are we heading in? <laughs> but um I I I wonder if there's like this more polarity happening. Like the people who are really working on softening and and looking at life through love lenses, you know. Um, I feel like those people are really taking off, but the ones who are not doing that work are really shooting in the opposite direction quickly. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, is yeah. that kind of what you've been witnessing? Do you think? Yeah. Um, I like to just call it the bifurcation, which is like the splitting ah. of the peoples. <laughs> like we're yeah. either going hard one way or we're going hard the other. I think it's yeah. just like that time. It's that season of life or like of reality. It's yeah. time for that kind of a splitting. Which is like good. Yeah. Let people choose their way, and then we'll split. I guess if we can't come together, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah I don't know. We or we maybe could... everyone has their time when they, you know what I mean. Maybe they're going hard that way, and but maybe it's divine timing, and there's a time they'll come back to it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And we could have a whole nother podcast episode about that. <laughs> we really could. <laughs> you know, I love talking about that kind of stuff. Actually, and it is even starting to rain. I'm sitting outside on my back porch and it's starting to rain now. So, and we're, and we're at the one hour mark and I hear, I see your message that you're. Yeah, you're I just got the rain, message so. and she's, she's like, I'm going to bring your kid home soon. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. Wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, but like, yeah, <laughs> life calls, right? <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Kaylin, for coming on the show and for having me on your show and for agreeing to be our event photographer for the festival. I cannot friggin' wait to hang out with you and rock the socks off all the women up here in Fort St. John. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited about it. And I'm like really excited that we connected. I think it was kind of like divine too. So it I'm just thankful that divine. you reached out. So awesome. Yay. <laughs> okay. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. And um, we'll talk to you soon. And you guys, everyone listening, enjoy the rest of your day too. All right. Bye. We'll talk soon. <laughs> bye.